Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Gary, and welcome to the second season of It's Personal. Okay, good. This is going to be really dope, but I don't want any <laughs> Putting yourself out there as practitioners who are growing and learning. Not at all. My name is Kwame Mbalia. I'm an author. I'm Padma Venkatraman, the author of The Bird Home. Sure, yeah. My name is Natasha Diaz. Code switching and all those things. I mean, all of that. All the time. I mean, he's still on the road all the time, but you know, like as a new mom. The relationship that I have cultivated from there. I'm I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. I am very excited for another special guest today. Um, Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Hi, my name is uh, Lilian Rivera, and I am the author of children's books, uh, young adult and uh, middle grade. And um, I'm from, I live in California, but I'm originally from the Bronx, New York. And Lilian, can you tell me a little bit about what the Bronx was like growing up? Sure. Um, the Bronx, uh, when I grew up, I, um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So I grew up at the start of hip hop and I grew up in the housing projects. Um, and also, you know, so there was a lot of things going on. So it was hip hop, it was a crack epidemic, it was poverty, um, but there was a lot of, a lot of love. Um, my whole family grew up, you know, we all lived in the, around the same neighborhood. So we all kind of like took care of each other. Personal. 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 It's just, yeah like you know do we do small talk or do we really get into like the specifics of what's happening yeah no i think that's good i think that's really really good so what would you say you said you're out with you had specific groups of friends and then your groups of friends kind of like evolved a little bit can you tell me a little bit more about that sure um i think for in high school i was you know i had a a, a group of, I would say maybe five girlfriends who we would hang, you know, what I would hang out. And I just, you know, I was list, you know, I, I was listening to different type of stuff not that made, that made me different, but I was just, you know, I listened to a lot of new wave music and hip hop, you know, <laughs> like I was listening to everything. And, and in high school, you were pegged a certain way. If you're not listening to hip hop only, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you're trying to be white. <laughs> yes. I, I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, you know, I wanted to, I don't know, I want to listen to all, whatever I wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so there's, there's that, but I guess it, it helped me in the sense that I'm still, I'm the way I am now. Like, um, you know, you're, you're able to navigate different sets of groups, you know, um, mm-hmm. and code switching and all those things. I mean, all, mm-hmm. all of that I developed in high school. And did you feel like you had to code switch like a lot? It's based on friendships, based on people you're being introduced to, faculty, parents. Yeah. yeah. I think code switching really was with the teachers, mm-hmm. and then and then a change, and then it changed. You know, I got I became even more aware of, of, of that when I got to college. I think, mm-hmm. and that's when I really was like, oh, I have to code switch and certain people you know even people who I would mm-hmm. consider myself my peers aren't really my peers mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And so, yeah. You're being more careful. Yeah, you just like, who do, what am I sharing? Um, I, I wasn't ever shy about where I was coming from, you know, mm -hmm. like my background, but I was aware of how that me in a different situation or a different sect when I was in college, because mm -hmm. then it was just really about class, you know, and race. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And where did you go to college? I went upstate to Binghamton University. Um, so yeah, state school. And you talk a lot about like the teachers, like what kind of role did they play on like just, just you becoming who you are or like the way you think about things now? Well, I remember. I was a history major, um, even though I always wanted to be like a creative writing major or a journalism major, but I didn't, for whatever reason, I was just too shy and I didn't have a mentor that was kind of pushing me towards that. So mm -hmm. I was a history major, um, but I really liked writing. Um, and it was obvious because, you know, I would, I would get, you know, these notes back from these uh, professors and, and it would just like nudge me towards, oh, you know, I really like doing this and I think I'm okay you know i'm not good but i'm okay <laughs> mm -hmm. in writing um, even if it was historical papers that i was writing about mm -hmm. um but what was interesting is that when i entered college or the university i um i had to take like a remedial writing class mm -hmm. and i was pissed <laughs> <laughs> i just remember the first day i was just mad i was angry at everybody <laughs> and i the teacher who ended up being just a wonderful wonderful woman and she was just like, I was just like, no, nah, this is whack, you know, <laughs> she was just angry. And she was just like, uh, you know, she was just like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's you know? awesome though, that's good. She was just like straight, like she was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> but I'm here, right? <laughs> and we're gonna try to make it, you know, and it ended up being a really great class. But I was just like that moment of like, you're putting me on in this class, you know, just because of my last name or just because of whatever, when I know that other kids are writing trash. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I still have that attitude. I still have that attitude now. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, you how many years did you spend in uh, college? I was there for five years because I took a year. I went away. I studied in Spain for a year, and then, oh. and I also withdrew. After, after the freshman year, I withdrew for a, a six months because it was just too much. I just felt overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, that really actually began my drinking, which is something that I'm really open about uh, my sobriety mm -hmm. is that um, in college, it really kind of exploded while I was there. So um, I took six months off, I went back and then I, you know, I would just kind of start, start, stop in a way um and then you know eventually i graduated so how much did that like did you say some of your drinking was that did that start in college no i mean i you know i drank when i was you know young um i come you know it's a very it's like a family affair kind of situation you know mm -hmm. a lot of like we're very close family we all live near each other so we drink together you know mm -hmm. So I felt very safe. And then when I didn't have that anymore and I was in an environment where I didn't feel safe already, um, the only way I could cope with is through drinking. Mm -hmm. And um, so it just kind of escalated fairly quickly while I was in, in, while I was there. But I didn't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get sober until years from then, mm -hmm. even after I graduated. I just, I was just highly aware of it starting at that mm -hmm. moment. And what kind of told you, like, this is something I have to address, something I have to, to talk about, be more aware about, like, what? Yeah, it was, um, I moved to California. Um, I got a job out here 
as you know, my, like I mentioned, I'm, my, my background is in entertainment journalism. So I got a job at E Entertainment and um, on their website on E Online. And um, I was here by myself, um, newly married. My husband was in New York finishing up his master's. And so, but I spent a lot of that first year by myself. And that's really when my drinking got really bad. And, but no one knew about any of it. So. Um, that's when I knew I had to stop because mm -hmm. I could because I couldn't stop. <laughs> I knew I had a problem because I couldn't stop, mm -hmm. and so I yeah I went to therapy and um, and she told me to go to AA. Personal. 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 What did that support system look like from family? Oh, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was interesting. It was interesting because mm -hmm. my family doesn't, they don't discuss things like that. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone is aware that I don't drink, um, mm -hmm. but no one talks about it. Mm. It's interesting because I just finished reading um, the book Heavy and mm. um, I had this conversation with my wife and we talk about this idea of like just shame and how um, I was born in the 80s and um, my mom and dad um, have everything has been the conversation at home has always been like things are going to be okay things are mm. all right um, it's very positive which was good mm -hmm. um, but we never did talk about um, the things that like the deeper thing and now that I'm getting older and like reflecting and thinking about um, some of the experiences that I had or just things that I kind of went through um, or saw my family go through mm -hmm. I noticed that yeah like I haven't really had a chance to dissect these things or have conversations with people about these things because I do feel like there's specific cultures um, we tend to shy away from those conversations or um, believe that sometimes those conversations don't need to happen Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. especially at certain ages, um, maybe they feel like we're not ready or we'll just forget about it. Um, but I do feel like there's definitely a trend um, within specific cultures where that happens very, very often. So I think um, I do totally understand what you're saying about that. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, you know, I grew up in that kind of a culture where you're not supposed to talk about your problems. Like you don't mm -hmm. voice them publicly. You don't write essays about them for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and um, you know, and my way of dealing with anything is through writing. So um, I had published an essay when I, you know, I, I had been sober many years, but I finally published an essay about it. And I just realized, you know, I would post it, you know, what we do, we post it all over social media. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I just realized, like, it was interesting to notice how, how many of my family members did not pay attention, like, didn't like it. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, didn't and they see them. it, they definitely see it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, you know, I, it, it is what it is. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm trying not to do that, you know, with my kids, my kids, Mm. they know I'm sober they know um they seem you know I try not to be like oh I'm, I'm gonna I try you know when I'm sad I'm sad they just mm -hmm. are aware that I'm sad if I'm depressed I tell them I'm you know mom's not not in that you know she's in a sad mood you know she's sad I'm just gonna be here being sad it's okay <laughs> yeah and I think that's the 
the thing. Like, I, we are fairly newly married, and we talk about kids, um, and the, when the conversation comes up, we feel like we, well, that's one of the things we would love to do, is just be open and honest. I think just the generational changes that happen, um, I think, I feel like there's definitely a shift in people being more honest, more open with kids, just because of the way things are happening in the world today. Like, they're being exposed to things, regardless of whether you, as a parent, want them to see it or hear it anyway. Um, yeah. So it's almost even more important to come from the house before they get it somewhere else. <laughs> right, right, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, yeah they're just, I'm, I'm trying to do certain, certain things that are just differently, like view things differently instead of it being like, oh, let's not talk about things that make mm -hmm. us uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. So how many how many kids do you have? I, I have two kids. I have an, um, an eight-year-old and a 15-year-old. Oh, eight-year-old. So is that like third grade? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, I teach third grade, so I like eight-year-olds are like my, that's my thing. It's such a great age. I love this age. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's like the sweet spot, I think. I did second grade for two years, and now I've been in third grade for five, and it's definitely the age that I, I really, really enjoy being around. They're just, I, she's, to me, she's just so funny and so, uh, so straight when it comes mm -hmm. to what she's feeling and mm -hmm. and her imagination is just so like so vivid and open it's mm -hmm. a really it's a great age i really appreciate mm -hmm. it <laughs> and 15 that is eight what is that she is um a high school sophomore sophomore wow yeah <laughs> she's, a, she's great she's a great kid uh she's super super smart um, mm -hmm. very much into math and science likes anime um and she's also very intense like she mm -hmm. sometimes she loves me and sometimes she doesn't want me around <laughs> it's that as extreme it makes, as that it makes sense i think and what are what are some things that you have in place as a parent to um i don't know what the word is i guess try to help them um, be um, independent or keep specific cultures in their lives like I think there's so many things that are happening today where um, I mean parents are um, I don't want to say they're being forced to because you mm. as a parent you can kind of do whatever you want um, mm -hmm. but there's things like you said there's things out there that you can't control so they're being exposed so much um, what are some things you you are doing to kind of mm. help I guess mold them a little bit I mean, for my daughter, like she's so used to me being really vocal about my opinions about certain things. It could be anything from pop culture to the political climate all the, and everything in between. So I'm really vocal. Um, both can be annoying to her sure. or, or interesting, right? Like, so it's just like, you know, if she reads something, I'm gonna give her my opinion about what she's reading or what she's mm -hmm. being forced to read. Um, but she's, She's just an interesting child because she didn't grow up in the Bronx and she didn't grow up in housing projects. She lives in a somewhat nice neighborhood. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have a car. <laughs> These are all things mm -hmm. I never had. And mm -hmm. so she's just like, I feel, I don't know, there was a moment I'll, I'll give you an example that, that was really, really like kind of brought it to mind, my focus how different our childhood is is because I had she was invited to a party and I had to go pick her up and I went to Bel Air to pick her up mm -hmm. and she's at this amazing house you know like and the people who were there you know were people of color but they were like you should get you should buy a house here <laughs> okay <laughs> and my car is literally held with duct tape you know like I was just like you know 
<laughs> and my kid is like, we should. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, and then, you know, so that drive back home, I had to explain to her the reasons why we do not live in Bel Air. <laughs> we do not have a nice house and a nice car. Like we are maintaining. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so it's just like that contrast because she's, in public school, she goes to a public school, but the public school also has a lot of kids from all, all over LA. Mm -hmm. So she mm -hmm. gets to like connect with a lot of different types of kids and a lot of different class, uh, you know, wow. class range. That's <laughs> such a different, like two totally different worlds. Yeah. So it was just, to me, it was just, I, you know, it was like a wake up call for her because I had to explain to her all those things. Mm -hmm. And then she was just really fully aware of where, where she's from. <laughs> <laughs> We are not from Bel Air. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> does she ever, um, I'm assuming, but I don't want to assume, does she read your book? She's read, yeah, she's read both books. She really liked um, Dealing in Dreams because mm. it's, uh, you know, I guess it's because it's action-packed, it's dystopian, it's um, girls being, you know, being kind of, you know, badass. Mm -hmm. So she really loved that book and um and it's it's interesting you know it's she's like the target so i was really happy that she loved it <laughs> mm. and does she ever give you advice do you go to her for advice on like what to write about or thoughts about some of the things you're writing about i do i mean she, i don't ask her to read anything but i'll i'll tell her hey do you, what do you think about this and then mm -hmm. you know, she'll say yes or no but mm -hmm. she's um yeah she's you know i wouldn't i don't ask her to read my stuff because that's weird a lot yes <laughs> I agree. i'll be like no but she, yeah no but she wants me to write all her stuff for homework she's like can you do my writing english writing reading i was like no <laughs> <laughs> um, Lilium, I just have a few more questions, okay? Sure. Um, we haven't talked about your partner, um, um, but can you tell me a little bit about him? Sure. Um, so my husband is a guidance counselor at a high school, so he's always mm -hmm. worked in education. So um, and um, so he teaches in um, a school east of Los Angeles, involved in this town called Maywood. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been doing that for years since I've known him for the most part. And um, and yeah, but he also, you know, he has the same kind of schedule as my kids um so they all have the same time off and because i travel a lot he he takes care of them you know mm -hmm. so he, run, he runs the house for for the most part while i'm away when mm -hmm. i do my traveling yeah he's um yeah, he's very patient <laughs> very <laughs> <That's calm>. good. <laughs> yeah very calm person and yeah doesn't uh, yeah, he's great. He's great in that sense because I'm always in the opposite. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty calm, but I'm just. I think my anxiety propels me to to do a lot of things. You know, <laughs> like I'm like mm -hmm. I gotta get things done because mm -hmm. I'm you know feeling anxiety about it. So sure, um, he, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and he's not like that. He's calm. <laughs> yeah, and I guess writing and being on, I guess contracts and stuff like that. But that doesn't help with anxiety. No, <laughs> it does not. <laughs> Um, no, I think this past year, this past, look, 2019 was really about figuring out how to handle or get, take, you know, getting a handle of my anxiety with all the deadlines and the travel and family life. So mm -hmm. I think I'm doing a better job, mm -hmm. but, but I, I had to learn how to, how, how to, you know, yeah. learn coping mechanisms and stuff. And mm -hmm. so I'm assuming yeah. like when you're traveling, you're still, though you're traveling, doing presentations and talking to people, um, you're still writing. 
writing. Like you can't stop writing because you have another deadline coming up. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I mean, you know, I've said this, I, I, like, I like traveling because then I, I know I'm going to have a hotel room and then I know I could put the alarm and I can wake up and write. You know, mm -hmm. these are like privileges, you know, even being on a plane, that's mm -hmm. like two hours I could write without mm -hmm. interruption. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I try to take advantage of it. I mean, if I'm watching a film, um, then I know I'm slacking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, um, not to say, I, you know, I did watch a film the other day when I was flying, but I'm just like, you know, it's just like, those are hours that I can use to write. And I try to, I try to take, uh, take advantage of it. Good. And I think the last question is because you're often so busy, um, what does Lillian like to do for fun? Like, what are some things you like to do that doesn't involve the writing, doesn't involve the, like, I guess the grind of um, being an author? Mm. The only thing I want to do is be um, on a beach. <laughs> uh. I just want to lounge on a beach mm -hmm. and get sun and go in the water and mm -hmm. it really is the only the place where I where if I'm stressed out I just think about that I'm like okay when was the last time I was at the beach but yeah you know I try to think about those days you know mm -hmm. so really those are the only things I try to I think of like I try to get into places that are interesting like I, I was in New York visiting my family the other day and my sister and I took walks and you know we were in the city and we were like oh what's this church and we just like we've never seen that church before and then we walked in it was gorgeous mm -hmm. you know it's just like random church that i've never even noticed <laughs> before mm -hmm. um and it's just you walk in and you see beautiful art so i i'm trying to like just allow myself to have those kind of moments of like oh let me go into this place and see this beautiful art or let me mm -hmm. just discover a new 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 place and mm -hmm. if i can't go to the beach and just lounge <laughs> it's good and i think it's important i don't know how authors do it because when i speak to individuals who are writing or are constantly writing or have um, a lot of titles out it's it, it sounds like it, it's just constant um, um, writing and talking to people and visiting um, places and students and it's I can only imagine how much of a toll it puts just on your body or like just like your mental um, space in your head as well like I can see how valuable like the airplane time or just <laughs> being on the beach um, I can really see how valuable that could be for someone who's constantly um, just in their own head I guess yeah I mean I'm trying to really um, schedule in uh, even if it's like a one night away mm -hmm. where I could you know just go somewhere you know if, if I have to write you know maybe I could write a couple of hours but then I know there's a pool <laughs> mm -hmm. that I could lounge in you know it's just trying to make sure that I put some sort of time in there for myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's important because it is a grind and you know and I've been in journalism and I used to have to do daily content and even though writing books for kids it can be you're, you're grinding books a lot and mm. I think it's a pace it's in a pace that's kind of um shouldn't be expected you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's not healthy yeah. <laughs> I think I was yeah. telling someone it's not healthy that I have two books coming out I'm happy mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I mean it, it was a hard hard work all last mm -hmm. year while I was traveling you know mm -hmm. so the year goes kinda, by fast yeah year goes by fast I'm like you know I need to like really pay attention to how I'm like spending my time mm -hmm. yeah. wow that's so much so much to deal with and then you have kids and you have a yeah, husband you know, and a family <laughs> yeah you wanna you know you wanna have fun have fun I'm 
like yeah. they're they know I work hard. They you know I work from home, so they're they lucky I they get to see me when I'm here. But they're just mm-hmm. also like, oh, her laptop's open. <laughs> mm, she's working. Mom's working. Yeah, mom's working. So <laughs> I'm just yeah. So I I'm trying really like okay, we're gonna go somewhere. We're gonna do this. We're gonna you know spend time. Mm-hmm. With them. <laughs>